Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debates, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadiens Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whale, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Uh, this is episode 53 of the Canadians Connection podcast, the Victor Meta edition. And uh, I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my co host, the Victor Meta, to my Ryan White, Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you on this holiday weekend in Canada, Thanksgiving weekend? Can't get any better than this. Can't get any better than that. Uh, we got some uh, hockey weather. Let's describe it politely yeah. <laughs> out west. Um, yeah, a, a long weekend uh, for Canadians. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our our listeners. And uh, and you named uh, Ryan White. What a uh, uh, that's a, a, another a number fifty three in addition to Meta. I I haven't kept up with it, but I think that Ryan White uh, got a tryout. Um, with the Manitoba Moose, ah. uh, and I don't know if he's stuck or not, but Brandon Boy, and uh, yep. there's some rough rough weather in Brandon and Dauphin and, and all those places this weekend. I saw the Manitoba Junior Hockey League canceled all their games due to road closure, so stay safe out there. Um, happy Thanksgiving, and a uh, couple of name, good names mentioned right off the top, yeah. Victor Meta and uh, Ryan White. And we're going to be talking about Victor Meta later on in this show. But, uh, yeah, certainly wish a, a happy Thanksgiving uh, to all the Canadian listeners that we have. Uh, enjoy the weekend with your family. Have some turkey, maybe some apple pie. This is our colleague Amy Johnson at the AHL Report. I know she loves apple pie. So, <laughs> But uh, we're going to switch gears now because we do have some, some news within the last hour or so, of course, the Canadians playing the St. Louis Blues tonight, and they did, uh, their, their lineup has been released for that game, and uh, you, you see a pair of changes, at least as it concerns to both the forward and defensive groups. You have Wheel and Suzuki switching spots. We have Lekkanen, Domi, and Wheel as the second line. You have Byron Thompson and Suzuki on the fourth line. And then on the defensive side of things, Kulak draws back in, going to be playing with Jeff Petrie, which was a successful pair for the Canadians last year. And Ben Chirot is going to be playing alongside of Christian Follin, which leaves uh, Mike Riley and, and uh, Kale Fleury as, as the scratched players for this evening. So uh, any thoughts on, on that, on uh, the lineup changes? Uh, we're going to get into some of, the, uh, some of that later on the show, but any immediate thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think we'll save our thoughts for uh, yeah. the second segment. But what we'll, we'll do is invite uh, all of our listeners to give their thoughts. And it ties in nicely to our question of the week. Um, Claude Julian's made a couple of choice uh, changes, as as Joe said. Our question is, uh, given the, the Habs start, um, uh, depends on how you look at it. Uh, four points yeah. out, out of uh, of. Um, but only one win in four games, what would you change? What changes would you make? And we're going to leave it wide open. You know, it's possible. You say, 
nothing. Um, uh, I'm, I'm fine with everything. Or you might have some changes, either minor or major, and we want to hear uh, from you about those changes. Uh, during the show, you can give us a call. We're a live show. Uh, you can give us a call. The studio number is 213-943-3754, 213-943-3754. If you're listening on demand, you can uh, text us anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The Rocket Sports text line is 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. Yeah, and as Rick mentioned, we're going to be getting giving our thoughts on the current uh, lay of the land for the Montreal Canadiens in the second segment. Um, so, Starting off, we did have a hockey game last night. The Montreal Canadiens weren't involved, but uh, it was an interesting game to have an eye on if you were a Montreal Canadiens fan because Cole Caulfield made his NCAA debut with the uh, Wisconsin Badgers, and he picked up uh, two goals with a, uh, as we've come to uh, expect from Cole Caulfield, has that lightning quick release, uh, specifically on the power play where he did his damage last night. And uh, certainly uh, drawing a lot of attention from Canadians fans. And I mean, with the power play and, and actually power plays around the league, the way that they're looking, it, it certainly wouldn't, uh, wouldn't hurt the Canadians to have a guy with the release of Cole Caulfield, but uh, might need a little bit more time to, uh, to acclimate to uh, the uh, NCAA before we make uh, anything, say anything like that. But uh, what do you think of Cole Caulfield? That was certainly a, a very good debut last night. Great debut. Um, unfortunately, his uh, Wisconsin Badgers lost to Boston College. Um, but uh, Caulfield, uh, what's become known as his office, two carbon copy goals, both yeah. on the power play, both from one-timers. Uh, nice feeds from, uh, from uh, his linemates. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and just, uh, you know, we're able to tee it up. So Caulfield, um, uh, again, you can see the, uh, if you go to the, uh, uh, all Habs fan page, the fan page on Facebook, uh, for all Habs, uh, you can see, uh, uh, both clips there and, uh, great shots, great release. And, uh, and he's, he's off to a great start, but those are the first two goals of his collegiate career. And uh, as we always preach, uh, let's be patient. I saw all <laughs> kinds of comments on, on social media about, wow, he's got a, a NHL caliber shot. He's got an NHL caliber release. Let's, let's pump the brakes on that a bit. <laughs> and, um, you know, as we've seen with, with Nick Suzuki, there's some growing pains. Uh, Nick Suzuki coming Certainly. out of, you know, he had uh, a number of years in junior. This is, let's say it's the equivalent uh, for, Cole Caulfield, his first game um, in uh, the NCAA ranks. So uh, let's let's give him let's see how he does, and and yeah. wish him a, a, a great career. We we saw uh, it a great year. We saw his coach uh, Tony Granado come out and maybe fuel the fire a bit, saying that uh, his prediction is that Caulfield is a uh, perhaps a thirty goal scorer um, in the NHL. Said that uh, Granado said that this week. Well, certainly Habs fans would hope for that and uh, definitely need another option on the power play as a one-timer. So, <laughs> as you said, patience is key, but we want Cole Caulfield in Montreal. <laughs> so, moving on, we do have teams around the NHL that have gotten off to some really good starts that we wanted to pay a little bit of, a, of time in, in talking about them. 
Uh, one team in particular that I have a feeling that you are going to want to talk about that I'm going to bring up right now because you were on the bandwagon for this team last year. And given their start, I have reason to believe that you probably are again this year. Uh, what have you made of the start for the Carolina Hurricanes? 5-0-0. And, and just it just seems like they're firing on all cylinders. Well, this is the new rivalry, uh, we're told, right? <laughs> because of the events of the summer, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes with the Montreal Canadiens. And, of course, the team that the Canadiens opened the season um, against and Canadians took them to uh, a shootout, but uh, Carolina pre- prevailed. Um, Carolina is uh, right now stands after uh, five games, best in the NHL, uh, 10 points. They're 5-0-1-0. They have a plus nine goal differential, also best in the NHL. Um, there are seven undefeated teams. Um, Buffalo still undefeated Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, those are kind of the top three teams, Carolina, Buffalo, Edmonton. Then there's uh, uh, four other teams maybe that, that haven't played as many games. St. Louis coming into Montreal tonight is also undefeated. Colorado, the Rangers, and the Flyers. Uh, the, the stat that kind of got me, and you said I was kind of on that bandwagon uh, for the um, uh, Hurricanes, and, and not – I mean, no, we'll no, no. always yeah. remain uh, a Canadian's first, but and and not that uh, have any fanship. I was just saying, watch out for these guys. Yeah, uh, watch out for them. And um, I I saw that the NHL uh, public relations account published that the Hurricanes have the best record in the NHL this calendar year. Uh, so since uh, January first, twenty nineteen. Uh, the Canes have a record of 35, 12, and 2, 72 points in 49 regular season games going back to the 1st of January and carrying on into this season. Uh, that's the most wins among all teams um, in the NHL. So uh, that, <laughs> I, I guess, um, you know, uh, their, their hashtag last season was uh, take warning. All I was saying is take warning of this team because uh, – <laughs> uh, they're coming in and they've been very, very good. They have been. And I mean, you know, it it was going to be a, a very difficult thing for them to try to replicate, at least in my mind, because you have, you know, the leader of that team, Justin Williams, uh, not e- explicitly retire, but I think he's kind of implied that he is probably going to retire by taking a year off and then revisiting the decision later. But I mean, you give a little bit more opportunity to a guy like Andre Spechnikov, who's gotten off to a really good start. You make additions like uh, Ryan Dezingle and Jake Gardner, and you really add talent to this team. The only question mark that I have, and of the teams that you mentioned, the only question mark that I have, or really goaltending, I mean, uh, with the exception of St. Louis, like you said, you know, they haven't played a whole lot. Same with Colorado. They haven't played a lot. Edmonton, you might want to, I don't know, that, that seems like yeah. it might not be as sustainable, but James Neal has looked fantastic. And then Carolina, I think, is, Peter Morazic, I think, can be a good goaltender, and I think James Reimer is a capable backup, but that would be the one thing that I look at for those teams. But you can't question the start, and certainly for Carolina, the talent level that they have and the depth that they have, that is nearly unmatched, specifically on the blue line. So, I look at Carolina as being a team that this year could be in the thick of it. And, and as you said, I may, may have misspoke a little bit in saying you were on the bandwagon so much as you were ahead of the game in terms of 
saying that these, these, this team was legit and, and Rod Brindamore has done a phenomenal job. And, uh, you know, you hear players say as much <laughs> and, uh, certainly, uh, it would be, uh, definitely, I think, uh, for, for Carolina, I think it would be fair to say that they are going to be in the thick of it again. So, with that said, we're taking a look around the NHL, and there was an interesting article in The Athletic that took a look, and, and they do this uh, every year with the, or at least in the last couple of years, where they look at team demographics and information concerning height, concerning age, and nationality, all those things. And so it was rather interesting to look at and see where the Canadians fell in these, uh, specifically those three categories. So the Canadians were second in uh, second smallest team, uh, them in Nashville right down there at the bottom. And then you had the 68% of the Canadians roster is Canadian, which also was very interesting. They're the most Canadian team in the NHL. They are full of good Canadian boys. So what did you make of, of all of that? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a fascinating piece of work. And uh, just to, it's it's of interest, and we thank um, our friends at the Athletic, James Myrtle, yeah. uh, Dom Lewishin, um for for putting this together. The third year of doing so, um, it it's you know we've heard uh, that the the Canadians are sorry that the NHL is uh, a young man's league, um, and uh, the Canadians at with an average age of twenty six point eight, they're in the bottom third, I guess, but not yeah. Um, not necessarily the Colorado is the youngest at uh, 2.7 average. Uh, you see the teams that are younger than the Canadians, uh, the Leafs, uh, Carolina is one of them. Um, the Rangers, of course, they're, they're making a change. Um, so it, it's, it's, um, it, it's just, it, we're going to talk a bit about a youth movement later on. Um, and, and it's, I guess it's, it's not only, um, the age of the players on the roster, but how you're using them and the contributions, uh, that they make that I think is, is key. So it's not just, not just average age. It's, it's how you're using the youth. Yeah. Uh, And I think we'll talk a bit about that, uh, later. Um, Canadians, you know, they, they've had this reputation, uh, sometimes unfair, uh, that they're a small team. Uh, well, we have proof they're a small team this year, second smallest, uh, well actually tied for smallest in, in the league with, with Nashville. Um, and I think it's, it's, um, uh, Vancouver's the biggest, by the way, um, uh, it, it, you know, we've, we've heard that small players can play in this league, the, 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 the Alex DeBrinkets and Johnny Gaudreau's and, and all of that. But when you have too many, um, yeah. it's, it's interesting that the Habs have six players that are five, nine or five, 10, uh, that's certainly most, um, and you mentioned Cole Caulfield when he arrives, that's only <laughs> going to bring, that down if he's you know generously listed at five five or five six um and and there is some there is some heightening that goes on uh players uh, <laughs> grow when as soon as they're drafted and that has nothing to do with the measurement it's just the way the teams list them but those six players uh five nine or five ten paul byron five nine max domi five ten brendan gallagher five nine 
Thomas Tatar, 5'10", Jordan Wheel, 5'10", Victor Meta 5'9". And uh, not quite making the cut. I actually thought that, that Suzuki was would have been on that list. He just misses at 5'11", and Nick Cousins at 5'11". <laughs> and two players that were sent down to Lavelle that, that might have fit in that category, uh, uh, Matthew Peck at 5'9", and, and Charles Sudan at 5'10". So, um, you know, Canadians are, mm, um, yes, they're a small team. Um, another p- piece of interesting information is the average draft position of players in the lineup. And we talk about the depths and, and prospects and, and the Canadians, how they use their prospects. Canadians are, are in the bottom third of that list. Their average, the average draft position of people, of players in the lineup, uh, 67th. Um, so that's third round territory. Um, uh, amazingly, the, the Colorado Avalanche um, is about half that. that. Uh, they have 10 first round picks in the lineup right now, today. <laughs> Uh, wow. Amazing. Uh, again, goes back to uh, perhaps youth movement and, and so on. Um, another thing I found interesting was the uh, the nationality breakdown. And um, and and this goes back to uh, we talked about Serge Savard saying, what's going on? Why can't there be um, a, an equal split of? of, of Anglophones and, and Francophones. It was that way when, um, I was managing was that way when we last won the Stanley cup. Um, but in the mid nineties, um, the percent of Canadian players in the NHL was 75%. That's dropped drastically dropped 30%. Yeah. It's now 43, 43.7%. And the other piece of that is that the percentage of, of uh, Quebecers has dropped. And in fact, um, you know, the North America, if you look, look at North American, it's 19% uh, from Ontario. Um, Alberta and BC uh, are about uh, equal. And, and it's only been in the last couple of years that Alberta and BC are actually outpacing Quebec in supplying players to um, the uh, NHL. So there's two things different uh, th- uh, that that make Savard's argument un- invalid. The the number of Canadians in the league has plummeted, and the number of Quebecers uh, is far um, reduced. Um, and and uh, so then that gets back to what you were saying. Nationality goes, and I guess. Uh, Don Cherry's going to be uh, a, <laughs> a, a Canadian fan because uh, a full 68% of of the uh, roster is from Canada. You know whether it has any validity or not. Uh, the St. Louis Blues held that mantle last season and they won the cup. Um, coincidence or no coincidence, but uh, <laughs> the Canadians uh, with 68% uh, uh, Canadians, they have 11% Americans and 21% uh, Europeans, which is uh, certainly on uh, the low side um, compared to other teams. So what you're saying is the Canadians are winning the 2020 Stanley cup. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Of course. That's exactly (laughs) what I'm saying based on that one stat alone. 
Now, the thing that I found interesting was because the Canadians were, as you said, they were they were tied. They're they're second, but they they were tied with Nashville as the shortest team in the NHL. The thing that I found interesting was they were actually 21st in average weight, which would <laughs> yes. I mean, you would think that the Canadians because they were small would have, you know, a, a little bit lower. Like you'd probably you'd be reasonable to assume that they'd be like 25th. But 21st is actually higher than Boston which was surprising to me. And the average weight of, uh, of this, of the N- average NHL or like the average weight per an NHL or this year is 199.3 pounds. Montreal is 197. So they're slightly below the average, but they are higher than Boston, which I mean, you know, thinking of the Canadians against the Bruins for years, that was the, you know, it was the speed versus the uh, heavy hitting Boston Bruins. And now it seems as though, at least by the looks of it, the Canadians have gotten a little bit more weight, even though they are one of the shorter teams in the NHL. So that was that was of interest for me. So well, we thank our our friends at the yeah. Athletic for that. That's uh, it's it's uh, uh, you know whether it means anything or not, it's it's um, fun to look at, but it also uh, dispels some of the the myths that that are out there and and uh, brings fact to. Uh, the the demographic makeup of the Montreal Canadiens and and their position relative to other teams. Yeah, it's cool to have that kind of information. So yes, we definitely do appreciate uh, the work being done over there at the Athletic. So moving on, because you posed a question and we had this conversation about midweek. So with the way that the Winnipeg Jets are looking right now and the Montreal Canadiens are looking right now. Which team would you say is in more desperate need for help on the back end? Would it be the Winnipeg Jets who have lost Jacob Truba because he was a cap casualty when they were trying to sign Line A and, and, uh, and Kyle Connor and also Tyler Myers and Ben Sherratt. And then just because Dustin Bufflin has, you know, kind of has been pondering his hockey future, they are down four defensemen from last year. Um, and they've kind of had to go with this youth movement on the back end a little bit. And that's included uh, Villahanola, who we're both very high on. And, but you would think that it would be the Winnipeg Jets, because that's what logic would suggest. But is it actually the Winnipeg Jets who are in more desperate need of a defenseman, or is it the Montreal Canadiens? Well, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> you'd think it would be the jets or uh, just yeah. um you know uh, if you listen to twitter if you listen to twitter it's funny one of the the most asked questions um early in this season for the four games is are there any winnipeg jet scouts at the canadians game um with the the caveat that uh, with the the you know the follow up that um um you know well um, the Jets need defensemen, so the Habs can trade an extra one of their extra defensemen or two, and add a, and you know a player from Lavelle and add a pick, and they can get whoever it is, you know, uh, <laughs> Lina who's off to a great start yeah. or whatever. And it, and and you look at the the Jets uh, defensemen, and there's names like Neil Pionk and Carl Dahlstrom, and and you mentioned uh, Hinola and uh, Tucker Pullman, Sammy Niku, the, the AHL defenseman of the year, and um, uh, Anthony Batetto and, and, and uh, you know, un- unknown names. But um, you look at, at the Canadians, and 
there's Victor Meta, who's let's 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 be honest, he's been struggling. Uh, yeah. Probably best in the th- in a third pair slot. Um, ben Trott, uh who everyone th- thought uh, would be a, a perfect match with Jeff Petrie, and 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 who played for the one of those exiting defensemen from Jeff yeah. from um, Winnipeg, and everybody said last year, oh. He was a first pairing uh, defenseman with Bufflin, uh, Dustin Bufflin. Well, um, you know, I watched a lot of Jets games and, and that was only the Jets had a lot of injuries on defense last year. So Ben Sherratt, it was a third pairing defenseman and solid in that role and was moved up uh, and didn't look very good um, when he did. And, 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 and Bufflin certainly covered for him. Uh, and Ben Sherrod has not looked good with Jeff Petrie, and so he's more a third-pairing defenseman. And and you have Kulak and and Folan and Riley and and Flurry, and those they're all right now third-pairing defensemen. So that leaves two very big gaping holes in, on the left side on the first slot and second slot. And uh, okay, Kulak can go in there temporarily but he's better on as a third pairing defenseman and and the you know the canadians had this this whole um uh, these holes uh when the off season began and that's why you know we were so surprised that that uh mark bergevin went out and signed uh re-signed christian folan and he uh signed mike riley to a two-year contract (laughs) yet um and and didn't necessarily fill those holes so I think it's kind of legitimate to ask, um, you know, who needs the defenseman more? And certainly the Canadians don't have anything that, uh, or the, uh, that the Jets would want in a trade. And, and I think that, um, that the Canadians have their own needs that, yeah, they might want to get rid of, of their, um, you know, their, their dead wood, but um, there's not a lot of teams out there uh, wanting to take that on. And, and certainly, uh, a trade for a, a, a skilled, solid first or second pairing left defenseman. It's it's certainly a lot closer than it should be, given everything that's gone on in Winnipeg. Like Winnipeg had a legitimate reason as to why they had to give up Jacob Truba. They couldn't afford to keep Tyler Myers around. Ben Chirot, same thing. And then they just they lose Dustin Bufflin at the beginning of this season because you know he's making uh, his decision on whether or not he's going to continue playing. It's it's far too close. You know, Montreal had time. They have at least a little bit of cap space that they should have been able to do something to improve that defensive core that you said. As you said, it wasn't good last year, and they were aware of that, and they still kept it largely unchanged. Uh, ben Chirot, I, we like we had this conversation. I have nothing against Ben Chirot, but, man, they needed somebody to play alongside Shea Weber, and we're going to be talking about that. Uh, in the in the moments to come in the second segment and potentially the third as well. So, but it's still not enough. And the Canadians didn't do anything to to help their cause. Whereas you have the Winnipeg Jets, and even in, the Winnipeg Jets have enough firepower they can get by. They can get by with having a younger defensive core and Josh Morrissey leading the charge. They can get by with that because they have, as you mentioned, Patrick Lina. They have Mark Scheifele, Blake Wheeler. The list goes on. The Habs don't have that. <laughs> so I would think that it, it's, it's really the Montreal Canadiens that, that need that, uh, need some help on the back end. Um, so we did also have Nick Suzuki 
who was in the headlines because of Claude Julian's comments saying that his effort level, his compete level, wasn't quite where it was in the preseason in training camp. Uh, what did what did you make of that? We're going to be talking about the youth movement, but what did you make of those comments? Well, it's um, you know in 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 the the early games we see that uh, by the the third period, uh, the games early in the season uh, uh, by the third period, uh, in most of the the games, uh, Nick Suzuki had been dropped from the second line to the fourth line, um, not getting a lot of minutes, and um, when asked. Uh, Claude Julian said, well, you know, he's smart. Um, his work ethic helped him to make the uh, the opening night roster, but he's, and this is a quote, he's not competing as hard as he did in training camp. And that forced me to make that change. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty early to be calling out a prospect. It's, um, boy, to say you're not, you're not competing, um, that's, that's cutting to a player. And it kind of reminded me uh, back in March, um, uh, the game against Los Angeles when Jesperi uh, 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 Kotkaniemi was a healthy scratch. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, Claude Julian said it was because, uh, in his eyes, Kotkaniemi was tired. Uh, and Kotkaniemi said, I'm not tired. I'm not tired at all. Uh, and in this case, uh, Suzuki, he, and I like this, I like his confidence to say, my compete level is not a problem. Um, I'm very competitive. Um, you know, maybe I could have been uh, a little more intense in the puck battles. Uh, he acknowledged some of his, his uh, mistakes, his turnovers, but my compete level is not a problem. Very direct. Um, so on Friday, um, then Claude Julian said, and, and I don't know if you'd call this, uh, taking, taking back his words or, or yeah. regret or an apology, but it was, it was, he was regretful sort of that, uh, the media had made more out of what he said than he had intended is what he said. He regretted that his words became bigger than they should have was his quote. Uh, and then he, and then he fudged a bit more and said, you know, when I talk about his compete level, I'm not saying it's, it's not good. It just needs to be more consistent. Uh, so a little bit of walking back there, uh, by the yeah. coach. Just a little bit. And as I said, we're going to be discussing, uh, parts of the youth movement, specifically Suzuki and Kale Fleury. After a quick break, we're going to discuss what we've liked, what we've not liked from the first four games of this season. So stick around. We'll be back after this. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, 
and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast, and we're going to talk about things that we've seen from the first four games of this season that we've liked, things that we've not liked so much, and uh, certainly we are going to turn it over to the lovely audience for the uh, third segment with the question of the week. Given the Habs start, one win in four games, what would you change? So looking at things that you might not like, what would you change, or would you change anything at all? But we're going to give our thoughts here and I'm going to start with the third line and going into this season, I didn't have very high expectations for this third line. When it was announced that it was going to be Drouin with Kotkaniemi and Armia, I was like, Oh no, this is not going to be very good. Is it? Because we saw this a little bit last year where they put uh Kotkaniemi with Drouin and it just didn't really work. And since the start of the season, I think that this line has been a lot better than I thought it could be. And it's definitely shown in the goal total for Yoel Armia, who's loving life right now with two goals in that game against the Buffalo Sabres and then another one against the Detroit Red Wings in the home opener. He's looked very good. Drewen, his effort, at least in the offensive zone, has been far better than it's been in the previous two years. There's still, you know, some sometimes where it looks like Armia and Kotkaniemi are doing a lot of the heavy lifting defensively. But I mean, if you look around the league at other guys that are putting up points and, and are asked to do similar things as Drewen, they, they aren't the guys that are going to be digging out loose pucks. But at the very least, he is not hampering them. He's not costing them in the ways that he did last year, not trying to do too much. He's making the plays that are there for him. I'm In the third period against Detroit, I thought the perfect example of this was he had the puck. He was rushing up the side. He just dropped it off to Yol Armia, took the defenseman to the net, and then Armia went for the shot. Went right to the crest of Jonathan Bernier. But I thought that that was a pretty good example of a time where maybe last year Jonathan Drouin tries to take the defenseman, just left it for Armia, the guy with the hot hand, and let him have the shot. Now, there are some... You know, as I said, there are still some concerns with Jonathan Drouin, but I think that he has been uh, at his best at, that we've seen of him in a Montreal jersey, and it's only four games. But I'm going to go back to what I said a couple of weeks ago. 
when I said that it really is irrelevant what he does from October to December because we saw last year that he had points in October, November against lesser teams, and it didn't hold up. He was not there down the stretch against teams in January and uh, January through April. He just wasn't there, and specifically against the teams that Montreal was competing with, he didn't really show up on a night-to-night basis. But if he can continue to just do what he's done, uh, there might be, you know, you might want some more effort all around, but I'm fine with the offensive zone, fighting for some loose pucks, trying to create offense. I'm fine with that, but it needs to continue and it needs to be January through April. But for right now, I can say that this third line has been better than I thought it had any right to be. And uh, certainly uh, the guy that I'm not mentioning is Yasperi Kotkaniemi, and Yasperi Kotkaniemi has also been very good. Two more road goals than he had all of last season. So he's off to a good start as well. Uh, two ro- road uh, goals in uh, three road games. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I like that he um, is, uh, he looks confident. He looks um, um, uh, more engaged. And, and he said that, um, you know, the extra pounds uh, help, uh, that he feels more stable on his skates uh, and, and feels uh, that he can engage with the, with the, the bigger forwards um, in the NHL. And um, uh, with that third line, the kind of matchups that they're getting, uh, they're able to uh, exploit the, their, uh, their opposition forwards. And, and, and they have all three of them have looked very good. Jonathan Duran, I think you said it quite well. Um, Jonathan Duran himself said uh, too much last year. And even, uh, you know, there's been moments this year. Uh, he has a tendency to wait for the puck. We heard, we talked before yeah. about him, um, uh, you know, remembering his boot hockey days and, and uh, <laughs> where he would park out in front of the goaltender and, and wait for the puck. He said himself, when he's at his worst in the NHL, it's when he's standing, feet not moving, waiting for the puck. He's got to be more engaged all the time. Uh, and for the most part, he, uh, he has been uh, so far. Um, and uh, Yol Armia uh, leading the Canadians in in scoring. I saw on on uh, Twitter someone say, "Ah, he's got no upside. He's uh, just a, a grinder," um, which uh, he's uh, made uh, that uh, tweet look didn't age that well. Uh, no. Um, and uh, Yol Armia has been engaged. He's been a beast uh, along the boards. Um, it's it shows why. Uh, I think it's smart to put uh, Lekkonen and uh, Armia on two different lines because they're similar kind of players in the way they aggressively forecheck, uh, yeah. dig pucks, the, that puck retrieval, uh, the way they create neutral zone turnovers. Uh, and then they they both have a, a really good ability to transition from uh, defense to, to offense and, and – uh, so Lekkonen providing that for the second line, and, and he's been very good as well. Uh, but uh, Yol Armia, great game against Buffalo, and he continued that on Thursday against Detroit. A tremendous shot uh, for, uh, for a goal uh, there. And, and, and maybe that was uh, the um, criticism last year is, is that he needed yeah. to – he has a good shot, and he needs to use it more, and he has been so far uh, to start this season. 
And I really like the power play goal against the Buffalo Sabres using his hands in tight like that because the Canadians need somebody in and around the crease that, that can do that kind of thing and beat goaltenders uh, in tight. And Yolarmia certainly has the body to do that. So it would be great to see him get more opportunity to do that. Um, so, uh, but let's, what, let's what talk like? about the power play because, because yeah. they, there has been uh, some success there too. And I think that, yeah. um, you know, we've heard this business about, um, well, uh, that the power play is, is uh, too predictable. Oh, the power play is, uh, maybe Shea Weber shouldn't be on the power play. Maybe Shea Weber should be standing in front of the net. Why would you want to take away the biggest <laughs> weapon on the power play? The uh, the reason why uh, uh, the penalty kills are focusing in on Shea Weber is because it is so uh, such a lethal weapon. Uh, so there you go. Exploit that. If if opposition uh, penalty kills are devoting so much attention to Shea Weber then there's got to be lots of room down low. And that's where yep. the issue has been. Uh, Claude Julien has said that, that that was going to be the key change this year. The players that he chooses to play down low uh, are going to have to go to the front of the net. He was talking about having two players at the front of the net, both in a screening role, a tip, you know, puck tip uh, role, but also uh, to, to, to take advantage of rebounds, which they hadn't be hadn't been doing uh, in the past. And so far, um, and, and, and this, I think Jonathan Duran at the point, I think uh, hasn't been working out. That's, that's where he, he still has some, some work to do uh, finding his place on the power play. Uh, But otherwise the power play has been much better. Uh, Let's let's say it's been much better than uh, the almost bottom of the league, bottom of the barrel power play that, uh, we saw last year it has been it has been better and that's uh, you know special teams as a whole is something of a concern for me because the thing that I look at though and and this might just be the the problem that the Canadians are going to face this year is that they don't have a dual threat on the power play they have Shea Weber who's got an absolute cannon and teams are shadowing him and it gives the other guys a lot more room but when you play against a team like Buffalo the other night and they have Jack Eichel who can carry the puck create for others, and then has an unreal wrist shot. Same with Victor Olofsson on the other side. They have two guys that they can go back and forth, and they can create, and they can shoot. Montreal doesn't really have that, and that might be the concern for this year because you look at the power play goals that they have got, and I'm not saying that any goal is you know less than any other one. It's just that the way that teams are getting goals, especially the Buffalo the other night, Detroit with Anthony Manta, the puck movement has been a lot better for other teams than it's been for the Canadians. I will say that the Canadians power play hasn't sucked the life out of the crowd and, and their team, which is a positive, but you know, I think that that's something that might need to, you know, still be worked on a little bit. That puck movement, I think needs to be a lot faster. And a lot of the time, it just seems like the Canadians power play is an MLB it's like an MLB pitcher with a deliberate windup throwing 90 mile per hour fastballs right down the middle because <laughs> the the setup is so deliberate and it's there and you know what's coming and if it's there it's the Shea Weber one timer and it's usually not too much of a threat because the goaltender already can kind of anticipate what's happening but like you said though it has been better it has been much better than it was last year and hopefully that continues because special teams are incredibly important which is why 
I think the penalty kill is something that definitely needs to be looked at going forward. And, you know, it's had, it's been about as successful as the Canadians attempts to spell you Sperry Kotkaniemi's last name. If you haven't seen that, look that up. It was, it was pretty dreadful, but, uh, (laughs) but the Canadians penalty kill has seemingly taken the place of the power play from last year. And, you know, like I said, you have teams like Buffalo with Jack Eichel and Victor Olofsson. You have teams like Detroit with Anthony Mantha as a weapon. And then you play a team like Toronto, who if you if you let them get a man up, they're going to make you pay for it. So really, what do you do with this penalty kill? And is it too early to start really worrying about this? Well, it's it's I'm the wrong person to ask because I was (laughs) I saw the the penalty kill in the preseason and I was like, uh oh. Uh, and I, you know, started sharing my thoughts and everybody, oh, shut up. It's the preseason. It doesn't matter. And but um, I was concerned right from the start. Um, and uh, and and they they gave up a, a, almost a goal for the first. I can't remember the number of games, but gave we're giving up go, um, a goal a game kind of thing on, on um, the penalty yeah. kill. The, the the difficulty is that, you know, uh, again, people on paper said, oh, Ben Sherrod on the penalty kill, he's going to be amazing. Um, and and not to pile on Ben Sherrod, he hasn't he hasn't looked very good on the penalty kill either. Um, but it's not it's not all of his fault. I, the, the, the scheme that they're using, um, it looks very confused because, yeah, um, you have you, you have a, essentially a very passive um, uh, scheme. Um, but then the forwards go out to pressure the points. And, uh, as Jeff Petrie said himself, uh, we become too spread out. And when, when a, a penalty kill becomes too spread out, that's when passing lanes open wide and, and especially yeah. the, the pass across the ice. And that's, what's been killing the, the Canadians. Uh, they're not shutting off the passing lanes. Um, they they haven't done and Claude Julian said this. Uh, they ha- when they get possession, they haven't been uh, doing a good job clearing the puck when they've had chances. Um, so, you know, it, those. I, I guess the other part is um, uh, that now what is it? I think it's four goals in thirteen chances, or at least it was going into the Detroit game. Um, but the other problem is that they've given up two, at least two more goals just as the penalty has expired. So they, yeah. that hasn't counted against, it's essentially been a, uh, a, a goal goals given up, um, on the penalty kill, but not counted in the stats. So the stats that you see for the games, as bad as they are, and they're in the 60% range, worse because of, of those uh, yeah and it's just something that the Canadians are and I, I thought that this was just going to be something well it's going to it's going to even out they're going to get because it did not look very good as you said and early in the season I'm thinking oh, it's, it's probably going to even out it'll be fine they have enough guys that you can throw out there on a penalty kill and, and be comfortable with but it, it's starting to become more and more of a concern as time goes on. And, and, you know, as they play tonight, it's going to be something to look for. And as they play throughout this season, it'll be something to look for. Because last year, we know that if your special teams aren't especially great, you're going to have a tough time to win games. And last year it was the power play. Uh, this year it started off with the penalty kill that just has not looked very good at all. So 
the Canadians are going to need to do uh, some tightening of the screws there. And as Jeff Petrie said, uh, they can't get it spread out because they are, there are wide open passing lanes that teams are just zipping passes through and, and getting some really good opportunities. So definitely something to watch there. So I think the other part yeah. of that is, is, uh, and, and it goes beyond the, the difficulties go beyond the penalty kill to the defensive game uh, overall. And we talked about the defensemen um, who've been having a hard time and, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's led to, to Claude Julian making some changes, but um, right now the Canadians are giving up far too many high danger scoring chances. And when you look at that Detroit game, five on five and, and remember um, Detroit is, you know, I, I had a, a tweet during the game from a, 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 a Jake, a good uh, friend we met at yeah. the uh, at the draft, <laughs> and a, a loyal Detroit fan, and they're expecting to be a lottery team this year. Uh, yet the high danger scoring chances in that game were 12 to four for Detroit. Uh, Canadians shouldn't be giving up that, and and it seems that. Um, the defensive positioning is a problem. They're giving up the blue line too easily. Uh, they're allowing their opponents to uh, control the neutral zone. Um, we saw in that, you know, Jack Eichel, um, uh, the, he came in, uh, picked up the puck in his own zone, uh, absolutely untouched in, in the neutral zone. It turned out to be yeah. a one-on-three. It was Eichel against Petrie, Schrotten, and Deneau. Uh, you know, maybe a save Kincaid should have made. Um, uh, maybe it's a bad goal, but uh, the fatal error in that in that whole sequence, allowing uh, Eichel to go uh, the length of the ice, was Philip Deneau. Uh, it was his responsibility to cut off Eichel in the neutral zone, to make him change position, to to do something, and yeah. he didn't. Uh, and and um, uh, Deneau has 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 uh, you know for all of his the the talk about Selkie last year he has not looked good uh, and actually is at the top uh, in terms of uh, uh, goals against per sixty uh, so far uh, for the Canadians um, but but it's not just Deneau it's uh, it's this whole defensive scheme giving up the neutral zone giving up the blue line. Um, and and defensemen allowing uh, opposition forwards to get in behind, um, that's been that's been also an issue. And we've seen Carey Price have to make save after save, um, and he's been great so far. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, the whole defense as as a whole has been has has really really struggled uh, to open uh, the season. So with, with that said, so we know now that. Kale Fleury is not going to be in the lineup tonight, and this will be his third game in a row that he is not in the lineup. We see that Nick Suzuki is down on the fourth line. How much of the uh, of the youth movement is going to be around for all of this season? Because we we got some really good news with Noah Juleson that we you know he's going to resume hockey activities, which is great news. So. You know, there's going to need to be a level of patience there. You know, I'm not saying that he's going to be coming back anytime soon to the Montreal Canadiens, but with the way that Flurry has just been kind of brushed aside and they've seemed to, at least at this point, think that Christian Follin is the better guy to have in there. What's all of this talk of the youth movement meant if at this point you have 
Suzuki on the fourth line and Flurry not drawing into the lineup again. Yeah, it's um you know, we're, we, we've said before, we're getting mixed messages from uh, Mark Bergevin and Claude Julien about uh, wanting to make room for youth, uh, not looking at, a, at an Andre Markov, or, uh, but yet going out and, and, and making the signings, bringing back uh, Riley for two years, bringing, bringing back uh, Folan, and, uh, um, it, you know, it's it's disappointing for the young guys to um, uh, to hear that 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 uh, you know room is being made, uh, but yet a mistake is made and uh, and they're right away either out of the lineup or they're uh, put in positions where it's you know Nick Suzuki on a fourth line that's not his role uh, that's not where he's going to be successful, um, and we saw him um, after he was. Uh, demoted take a run at at, at Jen, Dennis uh, Cholosky, um in the third period and and you know fans noticed that uh, uh, and and good for him he's trying to do something to get the coach's attention but that's not his game that's not what we want to that's not what we want to see um, uh, Nick Suzuki doing uh, that's not where he's most effective um, you know Kale Fleury um, could he be any worse than what we've seen from Riley and Folan uh, I don't think so. And and when you when you you make a plan to go with youth, you have to accept mistakes. And with those mistakes and allowing them to work through them, they learn rather than punishing them um, the way they have been. And and I guess the the other thing, um, you know, we've seen on on um, on Twitter. Okay, if they're not going to play. If Nick Suzuki's not going to play, send him down to uh, Laval where, where he can play top minutes. Um, is Ryan Paling playing top minutes? He's not. He's on the third line. Um, so, and, and we, you know, uh, got some criticism for saying Ryan Paling was the most NHL ready at the beginning of the season and, and probably should have started in, in Montreal. And, uh, and maybe he should be on the, uh, uh, fourth line right now. The other part of it is this the Julian's, you know, um, enchantment with players like uh, Wheel. Uh, and Wheel's not a top <laughs> six player. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, um, a, a movement up to the second line. Yeah, he can have uh, some temporary impact, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure he will. Uh, with the promotion tonight, but he's not a long-term solution uh, for the second line either. Yeah, and listen, I'm I'm kind of indifferent to uh, Christian Folland because, listen, he played down the stretch last year. You know that you can s- compete to some degree with Christian Folland in the lineup. Mike Riley, I just – every time he's on the ice, I feel like something bad is going to happen. But Christian Folland, you can get by with that. But here's the issue. If you have Kale Fleury as a guy with some upside, a guy with some potential that you drafted in 2017, then ideally you would give him the time to have some growing pains, learn from his mistakes, and then by the time April, March, April comes around, he's ready because he's had all of this experience. He's yes, he may have, he, he may cost you some goals, but Christian Folan will too. So Kale Fleury. Uh, this is the part of it to me that it, it just doesn't make any sense why he's been the guy that has been uh, scratched and, and 
seemingly not in uh, Julian's good books. But, uh, you know, for, for a guy that down the stretch could be a, a, a key component if you give him the time to adjust and learn, I, I just I don't understand why he's had such a short leash. And it, it shouldn't be the expectation. And we talked about the comments that he made about Nick Suzuki earlier. It shouldn't be the expectation that guys immediately just get it, that they, they understand the NHL game right away. Why that would even be something that Claude Julian can, can think at this point, I, I don't know. I can't tell you why he would think that they can just jump in and, and just immediately know how to play at the NHL level. It's going to take time. And if Claude Julian is, is going to become more and more important that you have a coach that is willing to work with young players, it's going to become more and more important as time goes on. And if Claude Julian isn't that guy, then maybe they should be looking elsewhere because it's going to become crucial for the Canadians because they're going to have, they have all of this, this, these young talent, this young talent, these guys, apparently, according to guys like Craig Button, the best prospect pool in the league, it's going to be incredibly important that their coach be patient. And if Claude Julian can't do that, then, then I don't know because I know that Montreal's in this weird spot with Price and Weber and needing to compete, but they also have young guys that they should be giving more of an opportunity to. And, and so far, it hasn't looked like they're willing to do that. And just if um, uh, you think we're making too much of, of things, um, after all, I mean, you, it's fair to say you can look at this in a, in a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of, yeah. kind of role, or, or maybe... Uh, just a realistic role. And Claude Julien said, um, you know, coming off the road, you have to be happy with four of a possible six points. And he's right. Um, but, you know, how do you, how do you compare that to uh, one win in four games? Um, so um, um, I think, I, I think we have to remember that the way the NHL is structured, uh, and I, I don't want to give you a math lesson here, but, Um, it's not only the number of points you've earned, but the number of points that you gave away. Uh, So the three games, let let me just give you the example here. The the three games on the road, uh, four of a possible six points, and those four points came from a win and two overtime losses. So I saw in social media people saying, well, that's as good as two wins and a loss on the road. That would be the same number (laughs) of points. Yeah. However, gained but, uh, or earned, but not the same number that you gave away, if you're following me. Yes. If, if, if the Canadians won two and lost one, it's true that they would have also had four points. But the, in that scenario, their opponents would have earned two points. Yeah. With, the, with Montreal earning four points uh, from a win and two overtime losses, their opponent earned five points. That's yeah. a difference of so, three points. That's, that's a difference yeah. of making the playoffs or not during those three yeah. games. Absolutely. Right? The, margin, the margins are so tight. So in the, As first, we saw four last games, year. In the first four games, the, the Habs have four points. Their opponents have earned seven so what I'm yeah. saying is when you're thinking about the number of points earned, you also have to think about the number of points given away because those count against you. 
so, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the simple logic is that one win in four games uh, is not sustainable for a, a team who wants to make the playoffs. Yeah. And certainly, I mean, at a certain point, you have to start thinking that, okay, well, if we're just going to say that it's been a good road trip, if we go to overtime twice and win a game, then it's kind of a loser's mentality. You know, you kind of want to go in with the idea that you're going to win this game on the road. And, and certainly down the stretch, that's going to need to be the, that's the, what they're going to need to do. So you may as well start now with that mindset. So with that said, we're going to turn things over with the question of the week uh, coming up in the third segment, given the Habs start one win in four games, as Rick was just saying, what would you change for the Montreal Canadiens? So we're going to get to the responses to that question after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians connection. The Canadians connection is proud to be a partner of rocket sports media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back here to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JoeWayla19. You can follow Rick at allhabs. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So as we say, we are a, a live show, so we have the call-in number. We also have the text line, if you're listening on demand, 585-3-ROCKET. And we got a text from someone named Fab, who, who is saying that, uh, I was wondering why the Habs management and or coaching staff haven't put Victor Meta as a winger on the fourth line. It would solidify the fourth line also. He might actually score a goal. He's way too small to play defense, especially on the first line pairing, and his small stature is putting way too much stress and pressure on Shea Weber. 
I don't understand why I'm the only one who sees this. Please advise. Um, <laughs> so that Mark Strike School you know, of Thought here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And generally speaking, that's not a strategy that typically works all that well. Uh, it did work for Mark Strike. Uh, it did not work for Josh Georges or Francis Bouillon when it was attempted for at least one game. I remember back uh, probably, what, 2009 or so. They tried that. It did not work. Victor Meta, I understand that he has speed, but if you're saying that he should go on the fourth line, then the guy that he would be replacing is Paul Byron, uh, you know, as if we can kind of look at the way that that line is constructed, it would be Paul Byron, even though he's kind of moved up and down and in and around for, uh, you know, Claude Julian and a couple of different lines. But yeah. And, and the other thing as well, I think generally that height is a little bit antiquated to look at. If you're saying that somebody is too small, I think it's might be a little bit antiquated because the way that the game is now, if you can't catch up to people, then, you've already lost. If you're not a fast guy, if you don't have foot speed and mobility in today's NHL, there's not much that you can do. And I mean, we've seen it with, we saw it with Carl Alsner two years ago and, and Carl lost eight pounds and has become a lot more mobile. Fortunately, it wasn't given a look or a long look in camp, you know, uh, guys like that, it, it's becoming less and less of a thing that you have these big lumbering defensemen that can't move around. So, Listen, I think that you're right in saying, I think Fab is right here in saying that Meta shouldn't be alongside of Shea Weber. And I think that that's done a, that's been a disservice to both of those guys because Meta shouldn't be asked to be a first line defenseman, a first pairing defenseman. And Weber should have a guy that is in the prime of his career or at least a little bit uh, in a better position than uh, Meta at this point. He shouldn't have to be mentoring a first line defensive, uh, you know, a defensive pair. So, this is the thing. I think that Meta is doing the best that he really can, given the circumstances. I, I understand he's not been that great, but given what the Canadians are asking him to do, I think that he's been he's been serviceable. But this was this is on the Canadians for not going out and improving that blue line. And uh, yeah, going up front, I don't think is the answer. Uh, it's, 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 he's not that kind of guy. And it's also a little bit difficult to make that adjustment. So, uh, but for me personally, I, I don't think that would make a, make a whole lot of sense to do that. So as we said, thank you for the question we the, though. We do love the question. Uh, as we said, you can text throughout the week. Uh, if you're listening on demand five, eight, five through rocket. And, uh, we do love to hear, uh, from, from you and, and get those questions. So speaking of questions, we threw out the question of the week uh, on Twitter and Facebook, and we said, given the Habs start, one win in four games, what would you change? And we've gotten a lot of responses here, and I'll just head over to the Canadians Connection Twitter account and pull some up here. And we have Ethan who says, I'd, play, I'd put Flurry in instead of Folan and cut Kanyemi on the power play. That's it. And uh, I, I agree with Kotkaniemi on the power play. I think that he mm-hmm. has got, and, and there was a conversation that went on uh, between Ethan and I believe someone else who said he's got a good one-timer. He should be a guy that's utilized on the power play. You have Nick who said, just send Suzuki and Flurry back to Laval. With the current roster, we will not win. Might as well develop our rookies properly because uh, clearly it won't be with Julian. 
Uh, we have Blaine Poffan from the uh, Habs Unfiltered podcast saying, I like seeing Kulak with Petrie tonight. It was a good pairing last season. Suzuki moved down to the fourth line. Makes sense, too. But uh, Fleury not dressed again. If he is not going to be getting dressed more often, he's better off in Laval getting ice time. So not a direct response to the question of the week, but still an important point and, and something that we just talked about with the, with the young guys that they have. At a certain point, you have to ask whether or not it's just more useful for them to spend time with the Laval Rocket. But you look at the Laval Rocket and you pointed out Ryan Paling isn't exactly getting, you know, that top, pair, that top line ice time that we thought that he would be getting. So really, I don't know if this is a this might be a lose lose situation for the Canadians. Yeah, there's and on the defensive side, there's a lot of defensemen. Uh, let's not there forget, are. there's a lot of defensemen in Laval, and um, you know, uh, Joe Bouchard is pretty fond of uh, Xavier Roulette. He's pretty fond of uh, uh, Maxime Lamarche, and and. Uh, uh, it's pretty tough for others to uh, find their way in, and, and we're going to have Juleson there and Brooke and um, uh, Skonichka, and, and uh, the, the, the list goes on. So uh, it, it's going to be difficult uh, having to divide up the ice time for all of those guys. Yeah, it certainly will be. Uh, with yeah, with Juleson coming back as well, that uh, this is it's going to be a little bit of a, of a difficult thing to navigate for Bouchard and for Julian. So be something to keep your eye on. Uh, what's, what's Facebook saying in response to this question? Question being given the Habs start one win in four games, what would you change? And we left it wide open. Um, so yeah. the folks on fit, we're getting an avalanche of responses on Facebook. You can join uh, uh, in on the conversation. Uh, just go to Facebook and search for all Habs and uh, you'll see our fan page there with well over 40,000. Uh, of your fellow Habs fans uh, uh, participating. Spence McAvera, he's a top fan. Uh, we have that uh, yeah. uh, for the regular uh, respondents. Um, uh, he says, our left-handed defense is very weak, so I do whatever I can to fix it. Um, if asked for a grade-A uh, prospect in return, well, uh, it can't be Nick, Ryan, or Kale. After those three, I would consider it. Um and we go on. Let me see. I would sign Markov and find a spot for Ryan Paling. Give Suzuki more time in the AHL. Um, Jordan, that can't, comes from Peter McDowell. Jordan Dickinson says, stay out of the penalty box. That's something we didn't have time to talk about. Yeah. Canadians, believe it or not, are at the top of the league in terms of minor penalties taken. Uh, and Thomas Tatar <laughs> is well up there as well with four yeah. minors already. Uh, so stay out of the penalty box. He also wants to see Markov uh, signed and uh, back on the power play with Weber to set up the big bomb, says Jordan Dickinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Tomball says bring up Ryan Paling. Uh, that seems to be um, a uh, common uh, as you go through. Uh, Thierry Demeister says put Suzuki at center, give KK some power play time. Let Paling and Fleury uh, uh, play. Try to move Tatar uh, while mm-hmm. he has some value. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, here's a, a philosophical approach uh, from <laughs> Aninga Gabriel. Change nothing. No human on earth took first steps without falling. After they fall, they keep trying till they succeed. Oh, That's really nice. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Randall uh, is pretty direct. He says, fire Bergevin, hire a GM yep. that recognizes that Drouin is never going to reach his potential. Trade him as soon as possible. A bag of pucks will suffice. Coach the defense to clear mm. out bodies instead of trying to play goalie. Yes, that's been a huge problem, particularly <laughs> from Sherratt. Uh Then put all efforts into getting Romanoff to, the, to Montreal next season. Great comment from Randall, always. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, let's just finish up with uh, this one. Mike Hefford changed the management, the defense. Uh, well, actually, we have no defense. The fact is we practically have no offense either other than Domi. So uh, Michael is mm. feeling a little uh, pessimistic at this point. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Um, certainly need more of that uh, philosophical approach about uh, can't, can't, <laughs> can't walk without falling first. That, that was a great one. I like that. Um, but yeah. So we like to see those responses keep coming in because, as we say, we left this pretty wide open, and uh, there's no time limit on on change. You can whatever isn't working in a week. I mean, you can you can come up with something different. So keep those responses coming. So, Rick, tonight against the St. Louis Blues, going to be a tough challenge with the uh, Stanley Cup defending Stanley Cup champions coming in to the Bell Center. So, you know, you'll have the uh, the live tweeting during the game and uh, and and covering that as well. So look forward to seeing that throughout the night. And uh, the Laval Rocket are in Milwaukee uh, yep. for the first time ever, actually. And uh, we'll yeah. have uh, <laughs> uh, coverage there um, and on, on uh, uh, the AHL report, and Amy Johnson uh, and Chris, uh, Chris G, they'll all be tweeting. Uh, but watch our, our, our uh, tweets. There'll be a game preview on allhabs.net. There'll be a game recap on allhabs.net uh, for the Canadians versus St. Louis uh, tonight. Certainly follow along with the great coverage here at Rocket Sports Media. Uh, definitely, uh, especially with the with the AHL team, that'll be doing some great work all year long as we talk about Amy Johnson every week on the show and the, the game recaps for the Montreal Canadiens as well. So we're going to tune out. We're going to say goodbye for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. As Rick mentioned, there's going to be some great coverage and uh, content coming out at allhabs.net, the AHL report, all of that fun stuff. So keep your eyes out for that. But uh, for right now, we're going to say uh, goodbye for another week and uh, make sure that you uh, follow uh, Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast apps, you can search for Rocket Sports Radio. Hit that subscribe button to get this podcast along with the From the Press Box podcast from the AHL Report. Have a listen and Habs Unfiltered as well. So just search for Rocket Sports Radio on Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play. All of those apps work. And hit that subscribe button. You get all four of them. So we'll talk with you next week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. As we mentioned, Happy Thanksgiving weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy it with, with you and yours. Uh, and enjoy the game tonight against the St. Louis Blues. We'll be back with you next week at 1 p.m. Eastern. That is 2.30 Newfoundland time. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Connection and visit allhabs.net.